Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So we're going to go ahead and continue what we call a mini-series right now on the parables that Jesus taught. Today we are talking about the talents. And that does not mean you're a more or less what you can do. You know, if you can play the harmonica, good for you. That's not what he's talking about. This is talking about a currency. And we're going to get into it in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. It says, verse 14, out of the New Living Translation, for the sake of explanation, we use this translation. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man. Remember, this is about the kingdom of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver, or another translation it says, he gave five talents, five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it into proportion to their what? Abilities. Recognize each one of them got a different amount based on their abilities. Then he left on his trip. And the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. He doubled it. The servant doubled it. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. He doubled it. With two bags of silver also, he went to work and earned two more. And But the, the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground. Turn to someone and tell them, you can hide God's treasure in your heart and never use it. It's very possible. But this is why he hid it. He put it in the ground, hid it, and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account of how they used the money. Someone say, Lord Jesus, bless this message. You can be seated. Before I continue reading the scripture text, I want to give you an understanding of what today's purpose is. Today is not a teaching but it will some things will be taught uh today is really not a sermon where we have pieced it together to make it eloquent enough to a good presentation to prove our hermeneutics and our apologetics abilities that's nothing to do with that today this is the type of message we'd simply call a message this is a word this is a word to the body this is a word for this body not the body around the world we're not interested in changing the world. We're really interested in changing this region. Now, if God opens up that door for the world, then, then it's because we learned how to manage and steward this region. God will never bypass the process of what he's already given you, in other words. We believe this concept. We believe that as you steward what God has given you, he gives you much more. So it's wise to focus in this moment. So today requires a message. A simple message to convey to the body and understand where we're at, what we need to do, 
and how we receive more. How many of you want to be a good steward and receive more from God? Raise your hand. So verse 20 says, back to the scripture text, he wanted, to, he wanted an account to see how they handled the finance. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forth, forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I have earned five more. That's a good return on God's investment. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Now, when I give you the equivalency of what that was, you're going to say to yourself, that wasn't a small amount. In God's eyes, it was. In God's eyes, it was. So now I will give you more responsibilities. And here's the one area that most people faint at because they're overwhelmed with responsibilities already. You may even say to yourself, why would I want more responsibilities when I can't have, even handle the responsibilities I have now? This is talking about even, I'm going to say com convergence and, and understanding that even the responsibilities you have right now, you can merge them into a kingdom mindset by changing and knowing who you are. When you can identify yourself as a servant to the Most High God, we've learned how to be sons, sons and daughters, and we have learned how to receive from God. But to be a servant means you have to steward what he's given you. So even if you do have that mindset of more responsibilities, look at it in the case of just learning how to handle the ones you have now. And I'll explain that a little bit in just a moment. So he said, let's celebrate. And they served to, and the two, uh, and the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I, I've earned two more. And he says the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with, little, with handling the small amount, so now I will give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. Did you know that you can have a party and celebrate the goodness of God before you get to heaven? Are you the mindset that this world is just so heavy, we're living in darkness, and it's going to get better by and by? Y'all remember the old song? I love, I love the old hymnals, but some of those are too far in the past that came out of a lot of struggle and a lot of hurt, and they never saw the light of day, and only hope that they had was heaven. But now we've come to a place in our life where God has been so good and brought us out, and now we're blessed, and now we have to learn how to recognize that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here, and you can have joy right now. You can have happiness right now. You can have peace right now. One bag of silver came, the one that had the one bag, and he said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. In other words, I, 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 you're... You're, you're a hard man to please. Harvesting crops where you didn't plant and gathering crops where you didn't cultivate. I was afraid, the one with the one talent or the one bag of silver. I was afraid. He had a heart of fear. That I would what? Lose your money or lose your investment in me. 
The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Mm. That was, uh, in case you didn't know, he just got hit with the chancla. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops and I, did, I didn't plant, gather crops, I didn't cultivate, why did you not deposit your money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant, give it to the one with the tin bags. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. Turn around to somebody and say, if you don't want to do it, somebody else will. If you don't want it, God will give it to somebody else. I want to stop right there, and I just want to get into this and begin to expound on this. I think it'd be good to have a kind of an idea of what these talents looked like. Talents were comprised of denarius, a denarius or a denarii. That's a form of currency that we're not used to in America. Things are a little different right now. Now things seem to be going to electronic currency and, you know, the dollar is losing its value, inflation. And now you look at denarii. Denarii are very, very cheap. The only value they have is them being as artifacts from the past. But everything loses its value within time except the things that are eternal. Except the things that are eternal. So I believe that this portion of Scripture is dealing with bags of silver or talents or denarii, but it's speaking of spiritual riches. I don't believe he's talking about physical money. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance, and the riches of Christ are deep and of far more value, far more valuable than what you hold in your hand. To give an example of that value, you can look at Peter and John whenever they were walking to the temple in the hour of prayer in the book of uh, Acts. And it says that there was a beggar there begging for silver and gold, begging for money. When they walked by, they said, Peter said to him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. And the lame man got up and walked and God got the glory, and there was a lot of people celebrating. They couldn't believe it. But in that moment, if he had given him gold and silver, it would have hurt the guy, and he would have still been there the next day begging, or the next day, or the next day, the following day. But what money couldn't do, heaven stood down, and someone gave him the riches of heaven. He released it in authority, released it in power. God's currency is released by faith. It's released. Everyone say power. Whatever might and power and ability you have in the spirit of God is the way you use currency. That's the way you use God's currency. Turn to somebody and tell them you need faith. You need faith. To give you an idea, here's the different types of coins that Jesus had in his day. The shekel, the widow's mite. All of these were for a certain time period and a certain time. If you can't read that, the first one was the shekel of Tyre. That was the temple coin. The shekel itself was the Jewish revolt coin. The widow's mite we hear about was a denarii, like a penny. But then the others, 
the denarii had a, a, an amount of silver interwoven with it, mixed with it. And it was carried on since it was a, a Roman currency. And that was carried on from Julius Caesar up to Nero. 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 Caesar. That was the currency that they had, and this is what we're looking at in Jesus' time. So when you look at this a little bit closer, then you begin to understand, okay, this is what they had, and it was their time frame. So the unit and the currency of talent, talent was worth, it's just a unit of currency. A talent was about 6,000 denarii. A denarii, the value of a denarii was worth a day's wage. It was worth a day's wage. That talent, according to the studies that they have done, the talent would cover a year, 20 years almost of labor. So when he said he gave the servant talents, that was 6,000 denarii, a talent. And each denarii represented a day. You do the math. Here were the total amount. I did a little bit for you, but here's a, here were the total amount, and here's a summary of it. When you look at the parable, we have the Lord who is the master. We know that, right? The Lord is the master. There were three servants. The master had eight talents. Each of them got a portion according to their ability or power or natural ability. That word... Ability comes from the Greek word that means power, a release. According to the passion and the heart that they had, many will take this and say, oh, that's talking about your talent. The misconception of this parable is, is now people take it out of context and say, well, you, you got to use your talent if you're going to be blessed. Because God put talent in you and they think they get the currency mixed up with the ability. The currency of heaven, the riches of God, has to go through your ability of influence to release. There is something that God has put inside of you to release it. Again, ability comes from the Greek word. That means strength, power, inherit power by nature or virtue. A person who puts forth power. When you've learned to release what God's given you, many times God doesn't call you and call you because you're qualified. He qualifies the call. So there can be an individual. It didn't say in this portion of Scripture, he gave them according to, well, this one was good. This one was more talented than this one. Ability means that he gave them according to their willingness to be obedient to release what God has given to them. You learn, like for example, did you know that in this parable, all of them, despite their ability or their heart or the ableness to release what they have, all of them were given and were made an investment. All of them were given an investment. And God, as the master, expects a ROI. Do you know what ROI is? A return on your investment? 
God expects ROI and what he put inside of you. But everybody God has made an investment into. We all have riches from heaven given to us by the spirit of God that was enabled to us by the blood of Jesus that now we stand here rich in Christ Jesus. Or we sit here. So here's what you have to understand. What you have to understand is when you look at this next slide, I'm going to show you exactly what he gave them. He didn't just come over and give them, you know, 60 cents, six dimes, or dollars each, or six dollars. He gave them an amount of money that was, I'm going to say, that would qualify you as a CEO, a big amount of money. A talent of silver was the equivalent of 20 years of wages, almost 20 years around. So when he gave that one servant five talents, it was 30,000 denarii. Again, do the math. Two talents, 12,000 denarii. Ten talents, one talent, 6,000. Well, what, what is a denarii? It's a term that was used by the Romans that literally meant in the Latin language, ten asses are donkeys. The value of a denarii was the equivalency of ten donkeys. So when they did trade, when it transferred over, they said this silver, this currency is well, this many animals, this many beasts. It made trading easier. So when God put the investment in these servants, he trusted them with it and gave them all a chance. Everybody has a chance to serve God despite who you are, where you come from, and what talents you may have. It is based on your willingness. It is based on your willingness to do things. For example, where did Jesus save you and when did he save you? Did you have it all together when he found you? Did you have it all together? Did, did we have it all together? Look around. Look at yourself. Look in the mirror. I'm going to tell you, God died for us. Let me, let, me, let me help you understand this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, he trusted us before we were of value. Before we would even have the mindset to even serve him, he put something inside of us. And what caused you to release it was faith, trust, passion, desire. And for those that were grateful about what he has done, to whoever much is given, much is required, but whoever forgives much, his forgiven much, loves much. This, 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 this servant with the five talents, there was something about him. If I were to put a label, just for the sake of labeling, these servants, I would have called the one with five talents, the Apostle Paul. I would have taken the second servant with the two talents and called him the Apostle Peter. And I would have called and that last one with the last talent, I would have called him Judas. Because Judas had talent. He was the treasurer, but he had no heart. And he was a thief. And whatever God put inside of him, he didn't use. He hid it. 
He hid it and never let God take it and help him invest and use it and multiply it. He did not grow. Remember, this is the same type of analogy concerning the kingdom of God when it talks about the mustard seed as well for it to grow, to multiply. The leaven for it to grow and to multiply. But God has put riches inside of us. Those riches that you see is healing, deliverance, love, joy, peace, reconciliation. Everyone has the ministry of reconciliation. But what God has put inside of you, he expects us to use it. And to remove the excuses to say, I don't know if I can do that. Peter made mistakes. God gave him responsibility before God empowered him, gave him power to release it. He failed so many times. But then he learned how to reinvest what God gave to him and into people. What God has put inside of you was meant to be sown into people, into good ground. And some of the people that you pour into are going to come forth with the hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. Some will come back and, and to God because then they become servants to the Most High God, not your servants. You understand that, right? God didn't call us to control people. He called us to love people, but he also called us to invest in people. That's the expansion of the kingdom. But what they do with that investment is between them and God. As long as you pour it in, you'll see the returns on that investment. Let me encourage someone here today and help you understand. Don't think for one moment that what you see in your life is the limit to God's blessings. There's going to come a day where you're going to see everything you have ever sown into anyone's life. He's going to give you the crown of life. He's going to give you a place to live. He's going to give you no, no more tears, no more sorrow, nothing. Your reward is sure. And the one word I think of, the two words I want to hear that day is well done. Well done. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, he had been given much. Why? He had a lot of talent. He had a lot of education. But that wasn't the only reason. I'm going to tell you what drove the Apostle Paul to do and make a return on his investments so high. He wasn't with Jesus like Peter and Judas. He had an experience in the spirit on the road to Damascus. The other ones, I believe, took Jesus for granted because he was there. They saw his humanity. They saw his weaknesses, not his sinning. They saw his weaknesses in the garden. They saw him crucified. They saw him in his frailty. And I think it somewhat gave them a deeper love, but I think it somewhat limited them in some way. Because sometimes, even as we live for God, how many of you, you know, God's been good to you. But how many times have we made it commonplace sometimes? Are you guilty of that? I am. I've been guilty of it. Would anybody else acknowledge that? That we are, we, we, if we're not careful, we can take some things for granted. And we can just say this is all this is supposed to happen. It's, it's the blessings of God. And you know what? I, I do this all the time. But listen, if God wasn't in it, we'd be frustrated because we wouldn't get the results. God never gave us riches or wanted to put something in us to do it on our own abilities. 
This ability that God has given to humanity is based on his help as well. Power. Power comes from God. The anointing. The spirit behind it. Not by power, not by might, but by his spirit. Says God is what the Bible says. The apostle Paul was in a place as he called himself the chief of sinners who crucified the church, who went out and brought him into prison, who went to a place to even politicize his movement. But one day Jesus found him, stopped him, Caused him to be blind. For three days he, he, heard him, he heard the voice of God. Saw Jesus face to face. Had time to ponder it. Then God sent a man to pray for him that his sight may come back. And here's what he told the servant to, about Paul. He said, don't be afraid of him. He's a chosen vessel to suffer many things for my name's sake. The apostle Paul even said it at one point. He said... God's given me a thorn in my flesh because of all the amount of revelation or the riches that he had. So he wouldn't get to his ego. The Apostle Paul walked at another level. But he was a servant to the Most High God. We are all servants to the Most High God. And here's the only point I'm going to give you for today. Here it is. Are you ready? God only invests in who he believes in. God believed in us before we ever produced anything. He has given us all a chance to do something for him. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and you know, we're going to talk and kind of skim off the business world for a moment. There's a book out there called Good to Great. It's an old book. And it talks about how the corporation, how some make it from good to great, and how some just stay good and they kind of fizzle out. What's the difference between these companies? And in one illustration in this book called Good to Great, it talks about how the corporation is like a bus. And the biggest mistake that corporate leaders make is that they put people in the seats of that corporation and go down to their destination based on their talents or abilities. And they overlook one major factor. And in those places is where the good companies struggle and they never make it to great. Because now they realize anybody can be taught anything as long as they have the right heart and the passion for it someone say motivation they look for motivation so now what corporations do they look for people that are self-motivated and train them in areas that they can learn in because you can teach somebody anything if they're willing and they don't have to have it all together but if you put somebody in there that's talented that don't want to do nothing they become a judas if you put somebody in there that's Mm, you know, they'll get things done every now and then, but they fall off the deep end and want to go fishing, you got a Peter. But when you give somebody a job that really needs you as much as you need them, you end up with the Paul. And you end up with somebody that ends up writing books, ends up turning the world upside down, starting more churches than any other apostle who was with Jesus himself and even goes and isn't afraid to go to Caesar and preach to him. 
Because whoever is forgiven much loves much. So you got to ask yourself the question, what is motivating you? Are you motivated by the blessings of God or are you motivated by the goodness of God? Are you motivated by what you see? Are you motivated by what comes out of a relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you motivated by the process of development? Are you just motivated by the outcome? When you find yourself calibrated to be in a relationship with Jesus, then you make yourself a candidate for a good investment and turn it around. Because what goodness comes to you if you have the love of God and you have the goodness of God and you love him, a loving individual wants other people to feel the same way. Loving people love people. Hurting people hurt people. Offended people offend people. But forgiving people forgive people. Never allow fear to grab a hold of your heart when it comes to your stewardship. This is what that one servant did. He was afraid. What was he afraid of? He knew that the master was a hard boss. He was afraid of failing. And you know what he told him? You could have at least put it in the bank. In other words, you could have invested and put the whole thing in something that would bring a return. Don't just hide it. You want to know why a lot of people are and they don't get involved? Two reasons that I'm going to just show you out of this parable. Number one, one of the reasons is because they're afraid to take on more responsibility. More responsibility to whom? Because it says it. It says it in the parable. It says that if you do good with the little things, he'll give you more responsibilities. But I've learned to interpret this scripture this way. Here's what I've learned on how to interpret that. If you'll learn how to properly manage and steward the riches of God where he has placed you right now, God will reward your faithfulness to make a difference where you're at. But as he blesses you for your returns on serving him, because remember, he put riches in you. He put his grace in you. He put his love in you. You have to ask yourself, are you making those investments? Are you hoarding them to yourself? As you make investments into others, the returns come back and God says, I'm going to give you more responsibility or more ability and more blessings and favor in your life. In other words, that's how I understood. When I was on the job site, I started as a contractor. When I started off personally in my personal life as a contractor, I was working for Brown and Root years ago, over 20 years ago. 25 maybe. I don't remember. That's sad. How many of you are starting to forget some things? Like, oh Lord Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus, help me. It'll come to me. You're old when you you're getting, you know you're getting old when you say, Oh, it'll come to me in a minute. I'm just joking. I'm not old in Jesus' name. When I worked out there in the construction, you you gotta know. I'm not just speaking from something I I've I, I, this is from experience. You, you, you have to know that it works. 
when I was out there in the construction field, I didn't want to be there. I did not want to be there, but I had to provide a living for my family. And I'll never forget, in the process of being there, all I really enjoyed doing was seeking God. So I, some of you have heard the story. I took those little, little Bibles that they used to give out. They may still give them out, little pocket Bibles. They were in hotels. People were giving away for free. And I had my little pocket Bible right here. I'd go in the little, little restroom stall out there. It was so stinky. It was a, but it was the only place I had to be alone. And I would go in there. I'd be like, Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I rebuke that statement. Can you imagine talking like, like authoritatively with this kind of a voice? I mean, it was that bad. It was horrible. Then you found out when you breathe through your mouth, you tasted it. So I'm like, oh, my God, Lord Jesus. You know, so, you know, I didn't have the luxury of having an office, but all I needed was God's word. And you have the freedom to pray. And I started to pray, and I started to seek God. And on that job, God began, I began to minister to people as he opened up the door. I didn't force it on anybody, but I was determined to make an investment. Wherever God wants you to make an investment, he's going to open up the heart or the ground for you to sow in. But he can't open up any ground for you to sow in if you're not prepared and willing to let it go. Willing. Say, I'm willing, Lord. I want to, I may not have it all together. I may not be the smartest. I may not be the most talented, but I am willing to use my ability to let go. Turn around to somebody and say, everybody has the ability. Everybody has the ability to reach out to somebody. So, so I have this helper. It's my first big responsibility. I was so young, and he gave me this schematic. And if you are, and you, you're a man here, and you understand this, or a woman, you have the electrical engineering degree or whatever you do. If you understand construction, I was in electrical and instrumentation back then. And so there were these junction boxes all over the place in the plant. And they had wires in them that went to these little terminals. If you can just imagine all these wires that are connected to big machinery and everything else in the plant, I was given the task to lift a wire up, put a tag, and say demo. So he gave me the blueprints. Here I go. I'm happy. I'm going to do a great job. This is the Mexicano that needs a, a, a raise. I got a baby with diapers. I got a son that doesn't stop eating. I'm going around. You know, opening up the door, doing this, doing that. And I'm just walking around with my helper. And all of a sudden, I hear, some of you know what that noise is. That's a failed extruder. Ask your wives, ask your husband. And I see engineers, operators running around everywhere. Alarms going off. Alarms going off here. Equipment shutting down. And dummy me, I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. What's going on? <laughs> Come on, let's go to the next one. I'm doing good, right? This is easy, gravy, gravy. I go around. Finally, I get to like my fifth one, and everyone's running around. I'm just walking around going, man, 
thought they had to go to the restroom or something. Like, wow. And I can't read the schematic. So I take it into the main place where all these guys are at. And I tell one guy, I said, hey, my, my boss uh, gave me this job, and, and I can't read this. It's a misprint. It doesn't match up with the wires there. Can you tell me what it is? And the guy looks at this. He goes, you're pulling these wires? I said, yeah, he, he gave it to me. Turns around, takes my, my, blue, my blueprint, the schematic, and says to all the rest of them, he says, guys, I found the problem. <laughs> the top engineer comes out and says, who are you? I said, I'm, I'm Robert Rivera. Not Bobby. Robert Rivera. If you know me as Robert Rivera, you haven't met me yet. If you call me and ask for Robert, you're a bill collector to me. I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know bills. I'm debt-free. Except for one thing, but I'm debt-free. By the way, this church is debt-free. Praise God. Long story short, they set me up in the office with all the other engineers in the plant. They told me to go wait upstairs. I'm waiting to be fired. My helpers next to me said, man, I wish they would have put me with somebody else. I said, pray to the Lord. They weren't a believer. They call all the head people in the plant. Millions of dollars has been lost. The head engineer calls in all the other head engineers. They have me sitting in the front. He looks at all of them, asks me to stand. I thought he was fixing to say, gentlemen, here's the idiot that caused us to lose millions. He turned around and said, gentlemen... This is Robert Rivera. You owe him a lunch, buy him a Coke, because he just saved your jobs. I looked at my, my, my uh, helper, and I said, what? <laughs> he found our problem, and I said, well, I didn't, I, I didn't find the problem. It's like they couldn't hear me. I don't know if God put a filter in their ears. I tried telling them, no, I did not. I'm the one that was pulling these things, and my boss told me to do this. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you so much, man. Great job, man. Great job. And I couldn't figure it out. I said, well, hold on a minute. I'm trying to tell them it was me. I was the guy, and it's like they didn't hear me. I got a raise. I got a promotion. And shortly after that, I got a job where I was making more than I have ever made in my entire life because I had a good report from this job, and God blessed me. I admitted my mistake, but here's the thing. It wasn't about me being qualified. It was about me being willing, and God saw it, and with the heart that I had, God promoted me. Promotion comes from the Lord. This is not about having it all together. So now here's what I said, and here's what I'm trying to tell you. You have to know who you really work for. If you work for your, your, your job and you work for a man, you haven't got it yet. The scripture says, work and do everything as if you're doing it to the Lord. Be willing to do it. Have the ability to let it go and do the right thing, and I will bless you. We have to understand in the church, don't wait till you have it all together. You have enough riches in heaven that God has placed inside of you to make a difference in someone else's life. And the way you destroy the fear is by simply stepping out by faith. 
You must step out by faith if you're going to give God return on his investment. You must step out by faith. God multiplies. Men add. The devil subtracts. When God begins to bless you during a time, a season of multiplication, you found yourself tied to the kingdom economy. In the kingdom of God, it's multiplication. It's multiplication. For example, if one can put a thousand to fly, two can put how much? Ten thousand. That's multiplication. When you work and you understand that you're working for the Lord wherever you're going, you have now become a good servant that is willing to release it without fear of making the mistake. God blesses mistakes even when your heart is right. If you don't believe me, read about Abraham and he had Ishmael. It was a mistake. He tried to do his best, but he didn't have the patience. Sarah and Abraham made the mistake, but God gave him Isaac, which was the promise. The repercussions from that is they both were blessed. But only one had the covenant. You, are ha you have a covenant with God through Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid. Don't wait till everything's perfect. Start making a difference where you're at right now. And if all you have is your family, that's an investment. That's an investment. In fact, that's the first investment we should make. Come on, Haley. I'm closing with this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 22. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mentioning of you in my prayer. Notice it said, in your faith in Jesus. That the Lord... Of our, the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In other words, he, he, I pray that you understand what you have. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what the hope of his calling. What are the, everyone say riches. What are the riches of his glory of the inheritance? God put an inheritance in you. He puts something in you. You receive something from heaven in the saints. And what? Now watch this. He put riches in you. Now watch this. Verse 19. And what it is. When what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. He worked it in Christ. Jesus brought the return on God's investment because Jesus leaned on the power of God, not in his own talents or ability. Don't disqualify yourself because you haven't got it all together. God says, I trust you. I believe in you. Here's what I want to leave you with. God is very simple. But you need to hear, God believes in you. God didn't save you just to be saved and hide it. Sit on the church pew. That's hiding it. God wants you to read somebody. Let's be good stewards and give God his return on his investment. Let it begin at home. Let's win our families. Let it begin on your job, your career. 
Find a time once, once a month, twice a month. Serve in church. Serve people. Let's build this thing. Where are you at right now? That's the question you have to have. And what's your motivation right now? Let it be the love of God. Never forget where you come from. Never forget that you had nothing, but God gave you something to share. Don't be afraid, but stand up and let God use you. Will you stand to your feet here this Sunday morning? Can we make that our prayer right now? Can we just, this is a message for the body. Riverside Church, this is a message for you and those that are listening. God's waiting for his return on his investment. We are striving not for things. We're not serving God for the blessings, but for one day to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to be a good servant to God. I want to, I want to use what God's given me. I'm going to tell you, I never thought I'd be right in front of you here today, and I didn't have it all together, but I had a love for God. And I spent hours and hours and hours and days and days just seeking his face. And I come into people and be willing to love them, to share them, bring them to church, give a Bible study, make a difference, not to people who are already saved, but to those who didn't know him. That's an investment. That's an investment. And the more you prepare, the more God will send you opportunities. But if you don't anticipate ever releasing what God has given you, you won't see an investment. But when you do and you see the returns, something's going to develop on the inside of you. There's a currency that will begin to build up and God will fill your account. And he'll give you the ability to pray for people, to be used by the word of knowledge, a prophet prophetic word, word of wisdom, understanding, because if you want something to grow, you have to use it. And the resources come from the kingdom of God and the spirit of God inside of you, but you got to let it go. You gotta let it go. Will you make this your prayer right now and say, Lord Jesus, use me. Lord Jesus, prepare my heart and use me today. I surrender my life. I surrender my responsibilities. I surrender my own grudge and withhelding even if you've been hurt say lord i forgive i forgive i'm not going to allow one person's hurt to stop me from giving love to stop me from sowing to stop me from investing into people i want to invest into people dear lord i want to invest in my family i want to invest in my co-workers i want you to use me as a light use me dear god use me right now use me right now Use me right now. Use me right now. What has God given you? What gifts are inside of you that you have? Don't compare them to somebody else. If God gave you the gift of giving, then give with a full heart, with charity, with love, with joy. If God gave you the gift of servanthood, then start serving. Whatever knowledge you have about Jesus, share with somebody. Bring them to church. Do something because God wants to use you. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for willingness. Will you make that your request right now and say, Lord, Jesus, give me a willing heart right now. Just speak it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. God, touch the hearts and the minds of those that desire for more, that desire for more. The wisdom to use, the wisdom to walk, the wisdom and the ability, God, to release in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship with them. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.